Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen. Hey, so we're in part three of our series, The Family Circus. And so, again, just reminders to me of things that I've enjoyed as a kid going to the circus. Uh, we had some popcorn last week, which was a big hit, except with our custodial department. <laughs> and so I would have repented to them. And uh, the week before that, too, we had a giveaway, the animal cookies. And, and so this week, uh, one of the things that reminds me of circuses are peanuts. And so, uh, you know, people like that. But we understand that there's a, a lot of uh, nut allergy. And first service, I said, there's a lot of nuts. And I said, hey, church is a great place for them. But anyway, so there's a, a lot of nut allergies out there. So we got, how many of you guys remember those old orange kind of looking peanut things and stuff like that? Some of y'all love that, yeah. You're going to get all jacked up on that sugar with all that and go home and take your kids home. Uh, so we got bags of those. And really just for fun and so just a fun way too to help you maybe kind of connect some dots in, in the scriptures we're talking about in the word and, and make just kind of a, a, a thing to be brought to your remembrance at different times on the biblical things that we're studying in the scripture. So that's kind of our fun gift for you today. Grab those on your way out for sure. And uh, open your Bibles up to Proverbs 24. Let's get going. So part three in our Family Circus series, the title of my message today is Parenting Without a Net. Parenting Without a Net. And the reason why I felt that was the direction to go as opposed to taming the wild animals, uh, <laughs> I didn't know that was a good confession, but uh, parenting without a net, to me, it was like we're looking at the scripture for our instruction. It is the parenting manual, by the way, and really there's no plan B. Come on, I need a bigger amen than that. The Bible is the plan, the best plan. There's nothing that works better. It is tops. It works, and God provided it for you and I to live life by. He didn't provide a plan B. He didn't provide other kinds of options for you. It is the word. So we have got to get into the word and find principles for life, living, marriage, and parenting. And we see some great things in the scripture on every area of life. That's why the Bible's been presented to us to to apply to every area of life, and especially in the area of parenting. And so Proverbs 20. 3, a foundational scripture. Here's where, it, here's where it says. It takes wisdom. Say wisdom for me. To have a good family. And it takes understanding. Say understanding. To make it strong. My hope, my heart is at the end of the series you'll be able to quote that. You probably already can. Wisdom means having discernment. It means being able to distinguish that which is true and right. And so it says it takes uh, discernment to have a good family or being able to distinguish true and right. And it takes understanding, which means the power or the positioning to apply what you comprehend to have a strong family. So we need some help to be able to have some discernment on what is true and right. And we need some help to be positioned or have power beyond our natural ability to be able to have strong families. Well, where do we go then for the next scripture is Proverbs 9, 10. It talks about wisdom and understanding. So the fear or reverential respect of the Lord is the beginning of being able to discern or have wisdom on what is right and true. And knowledge of the Holy One, God, is understanding or positioning or empowerment to apply what we learn. Now everybody in here understands by now, if you've been coming, unless you're new, but understand this, that the word of God is alive. And when you apply it, it activates in your life. So we can't just be hearers of the word, we have to be doers of the word, amen? 
we have a lot of knowledge rolling around in our heads that we're not applying and it doesn't do us any good. Let's not make sure, let's make sure the scripture is not some of that. Let's make sure we are applying that to our life. And so that's what we want to do and especially today in line with parenting. And so let me just give you a disclaimer. I don't know, we don't know, Jessamy and I don't know all there is to know about parenting. We do the best we can. We have to walk out the same word you have to walk out. And we are imperfect like everybody. We don't have the perfect family. Uh, but I'm thankful for the power of God and the Holy Spirit, amen, to help us and make decisions in life. But this word is our instruction manual as well, and we are trying to live up to that standard with you. So you pray for me, I'll pray for you. I only know what it's like to parent a 16 and 15 year old. And can I tell you, it is work. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, I have beautiful, great kids, believe me, but it is work, is it not? It is work, parenting is work. And here's what I find, a lot of people don't wanna put the work in. We wanna get something for nothing. I mean, that's how we're trained and created in a society. We just hope by accident. And they don't grow and become all God has for them by accident. They don't. A good marriage is not uh, happened by accident, it is built. Uh, a good family is built. You have to work at it. You need to be willing to put the time in. And so if you're gonna do it right, it's not gonna happen accidentally, but intentionally. So, but here's what I do know, the word works. And too many of us have allowed the work to be done by schools and by our culture. And it's not working, it's not working. So we wanna help give you the tools that you need to apply to life. So let's start by looking at, a, at some parenting styles, if you will. So I, uh, I found some uh, parenting styles, and, and maybe you can relate to these, or a couple of these, or certainly one of them, uh, that's kind of been uh, pr- uh, prevalent over the years. And the first one would be the authoritarian style. And there's a lot of people that parent out of that. A lot of you have been parented that way. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but maybe you've come from a authoritarian type style as a kid growing up. Maybe you're that type of parent now. And that would be this, uh, that it says basically that you do this or else. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to say that. And the or else is our motivator. Okay, okay, right? And we come that way just because I said, or you do this or else, and here's the consequences. And that's basically, and we, I hope you have never heard this before, but jokingly we hear all, people say this, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out of it, <laughs> all right? I made you and I can make another just like you. <laughs> but that's not, that's not parenting, that's not good parenting, okay? That's authoritarian style. The goal here was just to get obey, obedience, that was the goal. It was behavior modification no matter what. We want right behavior. And the goal that here in the authoritarian style is that your kids behave. And can I say that that's kind of short-sighted we just don't want misbehavior to stop, we want right behavior to happen. And so there's a different style I believe that we can look at. The next one let me give you would be this, the permissive style. It kind of came to prevalence in the 60s, so you probably already know where I'm going with that one. Uh, permissive parents came along here and the goal was, I just want my kids to like me. I want them to be good kids because of our relationship. I want to be their friend, I want them to do whatever because of respect and love and they don't want to disappoint. And I can understand that to a degree. And in doing that, we create environments of love and affirmation with the hopes that they'll turn out okay. And you know, let me say this, that we're just not parenting for the moment. Parenting is not for just today. Parenting is really for the future. We wanna turn out kids that are good adults, that have a moral compass, amen, that have an understanding of who God is in their life and the plan and purpose he has for them. So we can't parent for the moment, we have to parent for the future. And so uh, creating uh, environments of love and affirmation is great, but you need more than that. 
And in fact, I think it's turned out a, a bunch of, when they get older, a bunch of uh, spo- spoiled, <laughs> bratty adults, if you will, self-centered adults. And so we need something more than that. And, and let me say this, and I might, you'll have to forgive me after I say this if this offends you, but I think it's where we get that let's not keep score. <laughs> Everyone gets a trophy, right? I mean, you know, okay, it's okay, little Johnny. It's okay if you went and sat down on second base and put your glove on your head. We still love you. Here's a trophy. And I just think that for me, I think that'll keep scoring T-ball. You know what I'm saying? As a parent, I kept score. I knew what the score was. And I'm, I'm saying there's things that we can learn on how to win and lose and all those kind of things, but we just can't create these environments of just love and affirmation to hope everything turns out all right. Because honestly, it really hasn't. And so I think there's some other things that we need to be about. And let me tell you this already. The thought is if I can overwhelm them with love and, and liking and kindness, then it'll be okay. And here misbehavior, let me say this, here misbehavior just becomes cute. Oh, well, he's just tired. Oh, and they, oh, he's just tired. He hadn't had his nap today. You know, he just gets like that sometimes. Isn't it cute? No, it's not. It may be cute to you, but it's not cute to anybody else, all right? <laughs> or she's just a free spirit. Isn't it cute? No, not at all. <laughs> okay, I'll move on. I, I can, I can, I'll move on. Okay. You get free peanuts when this is over, all right? That's, that's what I'm telling you. Okay. And this style has a belief. Listen to this. This style has a belief that kids are good by nature. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't say that with a straight face. Nobody's good by nature. We had to have our nature change. That's why Jesus came. Amen? And so it doesn't happen. It's intentional. You have to be intentional in what you do. So let me give you the third style. And this is what we're shooting for here. And it's the biblical parenting style. The biblical parenting style. Now the difference between this one and the other two is this. That it actually trains the heart. Let me say that again. It actually trains the heart, not behavior modification, but heart transformation. Amen? Because again, we want, when our kids are out of our homes and beyond our authority, if you will, and no longer in our controlled environment, we want them to make the right decisions. And if we are authoritarian in our style and parenting, at some point in time, they're going to rebel. They're going to run from that. And if we are permissive, they're going to take the permissive part to the extreme. Again, being that selfish and it's all about me. Enough about me, let's talk about me now. It's just all about me, self-centered. And we have generations of that. So uh, the scripture says that the words of God, the word of God, are to be written on their hearts, on the tablets of their hearts, in fact. And the goal is to get the right values written on the tablet of their heart. Therefore, we cannot just allow the world to raise our kids. We have got to be involved in that. We want them to make right choices into their future. So understand biblical style of parenting trains not only in conflict, but in non-conflict situations. And here's what I mean by that. That you're not just waiting for something bad to happen to correct behavior. You're pouring something into them that will constantly put good behavior in them or the desire want for that. And so you're not just correcting behavior, but you're constantly putting inside them biblical values and biblical ethics in hopes of training their heart so they have morals shaped by the power of God and not morals shaped by the world. Because this world has lost its moral compass. And so we need to make sure that we are putting God's moral compass in their life through the power of the word and empowerment through parenting. Let me give you one scripture here. I'm going to give you a lot, but let me say this. There is one scripture addressing Jesus growing up as a kid. Just one scripture. One verse where you find Jesus from the year 12 to 30, an 18-year span. 
And so really it addresses his adolescence, it addresses his teen years and his young adult years, all in this one verse. And you can look through and you won't find any others that address uh, that span of life. And it says this in Luke 2.52, let's read that, Luke 2.52. It says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man. Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man. He grew in four ways, and those are the ways that we need to address in raising our kids. We're doing that here as a church to the best of our ability, but understand this, we only have your kids three hours a week at best, and generally not every week. And today's world has deemed consistent church attendance twice a month. And I'm like, who did you interview for that? <laughs> I didn't get the call for the poll on that one. <laughs> but yet we get maybe at best three hours a week of training and helping train your kids. But this is our format that we follow. It should be yours as a parent. So he was developed in four areas. In fact, when we look in children's church, it's our desire to address these four areas. Wisdom being intellectually or learning, stature physically or standing, uh, favor with God's spiritual growth and favor with man and growing socially. We do that a number of ways. And I just want you to know that. Have you hugged a children's worker today? I mean, if not, you need to. They are really doing a great job. The all-star team over there pouring into your kids. It is not a babysitting service. We are addressing those things and doing our part as much as we can to help invest in your children. And I'm so thankful for them. And it happens through uh, the weekly services like we have here that are appropriate for ages. Uh, They hold babies and rock them, pray over them, speak the word of God over them, uh, share the love of Jesus with them. And then they have small groups on Wednesday nights. Children's Church has small groups on Wednesday nights that are age and gender appropriate, we are intentionally investing in the growth and development of your children. So we are doing the best we can to do our part. We need to partner together. So let's take a look at uh, these four things and find some ways to apply them. Number one, Jesus grew in wisdom. Jesus grew in wisdom. Now this doesn't mean that he just went to school and got smart. And it's not talking necessarily just about book knowledge here. There's something more Wisdom is something more than book knowledge, and we've already defined that in the series, and that is being able to have the ability to discern what is right and what is true. So we've talked about wisdom and what the Bible says about it. It's something deeper than just book knowledge. So let me give you some things that will help you. We want to teach them to fear God, fear God. And we saw that, we'll look at that scripture again. In fact, Proverbs 9, 10, here's what it says. The fear of the Lord, a reverential respect of God, is the beginning of wisdom or their ability to discern what is right and true. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So we're doing more than just trying to get them to learn book things. Those things are important, but we want to address something deeper in them. And can I say this, that this fear of God thing really means to have a healthy, worshipful respect for God, and it seems to be missing a little bit. And so let me say this, saying it's missing a little bit in our, this generation, I want to say it this way, it's not because they don't want to, it's because they haven't been taught to. Because understand, kids only know what they're taught, right? I mean, they're kids. They only know what we teach them, right? They're like blank slates, and we're imparting things on them. If we're not imparting the right things on them, then they'll be imparted the wrong things, and that's how they'll be. And so we have generations that don't know what it is to fear God because people have not either modeled or taught them what it is to fear God. And so I don't want to be hard in this, but let's not absolve ourselves from responsibility. The good news is we can start today, start fresh, start new, amen? So we need to model the fear of the Lord, a worshipful, reverential respect of God and the things of God. And if it's missing, it's because they haven't been taught and it hasn't been modeled. And listen, because, and here's why I think why, we tend to pursue a a passionate uh, love, friendship of God, and he is all that, and that is not wrong. 
He's good, he's a forgiving God, he's full of grace and mercy, and we seem to focus on that, but let's not forget, he is a God of holiness and holy living. And his grace and mercy is there for when we make mistakes and blow it, and we will, but it's not our ticket to sin and live how we want. First service was a smaller crowd, but they were a lot more vocal on that one. They're like, amen, pastor, that's good right there. (laughs) This whole idea of grace and mercy is not our ticket to to live however we want because of his grace and mercy. It's when we cannot manage through our humanity and influences in our life and our moments of weaknesses the proper living to come and ask God to forgive us and then get back on track with the things of God. And so that's holy living. And so we need to raise up a generation, therefore we have to model and teach them what it's like to pursue holy living. We have to have a healthy respect for the fear of the Lord. It is the beginning of wisdom. We need to honor God in everything we say and do. Psalms 34, 11 says this. Come my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. In our homes, we need to teach this. In our homes, we need a deep, healthy respect uh, and honor and worship of God and honor everything we do. We need to watch the words of our mouth. We need to watch the things that we say, the things that we do in our home. We need to be careful and not just flippantly say things, taking the, la- the Lord's name in vain, or correcting those kind of things. We-, we need to get back to that. A healthy respect for the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. Okay, to grow in wisdom is to accept the Bible as our manual for living. We need to accept the Bible as our manual for living. It's usually the last place we look. It needs to be the first place we look. And so the greatest book on parenting ever written is the Holy Bible. So talk about it. What'd you learn in church today? What'd you learn in small group? What'd you do? So put yourself in environments where you're looking, reading, and you guys are discussing things. Bring it into your everyday life. It doesn't have to be a formal thing. We shared that last week. I don't want to review that. You can go get that or watch it online. But bring it into your everyday life. Bring it into your everyday life as much as you can. Look at these statistics about generations. Let me give you those. Builder generations. Born 1927 to 1945, builder generations. How many are born in that time frame, time span? 1927, 1945. Come on, don't be shy. Raise your hand. Born then, you're calculating, getting out your driver's license. Okay, that's all right. Good. We have some in here from that generation. That generation, 65% of them were Bible-based believers. 65%. They took God's word as God's word. They didn't try and change it, and they purposed to live by it for the most part. They believed God's word to be true and accurate. The next one, boomer generation, 1946 to 1964. Let me see your hands, 46 to 64. Wow, okay, that's a lot. There's a lot of you in here during that time. Boomer generation, 35% of that generation, Bible-based believers. And what's interesting, that's the generation that would be the current leaders or leaders of today. Most of the people in power are from the boomer generation. Okay, Buster's generation, 1965 to 1983, that's me, 65 to 83. Okay, a lot of hands on that one. 16% Bible-based believers. Are you seeing the trend here? Each generation, 16% Bible-based believers. And today's generation, you've heard the word millennials, but another word is called Bridgers, Bridgers generation, born 1984 to present. Let me see those hands, 1984 to present. Okay, good number in here. Listen, they're the generation that are questioning everything and rejecting God's word, but look at the trend from 65 on down. Now understand this, if our country looks like it was today, or like it does today, with 35% Bible-based believers leading it, what will it look like when those leading are 4% Bible-based believers? We've got to reverse the trend. We've got to reverse the trend. And it starts with our kids modeling that. They have to accept the Bible as the manual for living. It's why it was given. We need to raise up a generation who loves God's word. We have to show them that. We have to place place a greater priority on the Bible. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says this. 
These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Bring the Bible into everyday life and get God's word in their hearts. Okay, to grow in wisdom, we need to fear the fear of God, that reverential respect. Accept the Bible as our manual for living. And this one, guard their minds. You're responsible to guard their minds. We need to do a better job. And it's harder than ever before. Let me give you some statistics. By the age 18, on TV alone, they will see over 100,000 sexual encounters. On TV alone, that's not even counting movies and internet or whatever. That's just on TV, over 100,000. That's a lot by the time they're 18. 91% of those deal with that sexual encounter outside of marriage. 91% of the 100,000 sexual encounters they'll see on TV alone deal with that sex outside of marriage. What are we training them then? What are they seeing? 8,000 acts of violence on TV alone in one year will our children see. And that, again, that doesn't even take into account movies and social media and internet and video games and music, if you will. So we need to guard that. Psalms 101.3 says this. I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. We need to be more mindful. Protect the ear gate, protect the eye gate. There's things that we can do. Guard their minds in every way. We want them to be wise. It is worth the fight. It is worth the fight. Jesus grew in wisdom and secondly he grew in, number two, stature, stature. Now this doesn't just speak to him physically, his physical form, his height and, and, and how he was physically. I don't believe that this would only mean he ate right and took care of himself, although he probably did stewarding his body. But by definition, stature also refers to standing or position, reputation and renown. And let me say it this way, I think he grew uh, by, in stature, really means the most important thing in life, he grew in purpose purpose in life. Acts 20, 24 says this. However, I consider my, my life worth nothing. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul. I consider my life worth nothing to me. Oh, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task, complete my purpose, complete what I was created and put here on the planet to do. That is my aim. That is my goal. I think that's important for each and every one of us, but especially for our kids. For every one of my kids, your kids, our kids, there is a call of God on their life to do something significant. You may not believe that, but you need to. It is true, it is the word of God. Every single one of our children have a call of God on their life to do something significant. There is something God has for them, and the greatest gift you can give them is to help them discover their purpose in life. You are the ringmaster in your home and your words have power. Call out that thing of God in their life. Call out their gifts in their life. Speak to those things. So help them discover their purpose. Help your children discover your purpose. And that just may mean you need to discover yours. You need to discover yours. I do the best I can. Not perfect, not great probably, but I do the best I can with my kids uh, as often as I can. And I tell them this time, Duncans are leaders. Your leaders, and you can, I, I didn't coach him this, I didn't set this up, um, and I'll apologize to him later, <laughs> but if you were to ask my kids today, and you were to say, what does your dad always tell you, Duncans are, they'll say leaders, they're not followers. In fact, if you're around me any length of time, when I call my kids, I usually say, hey, come on, Duncan, let's go. Duncan, are you ready? And it's not because I forgot their name often, it's just, I'm speaking to that something bigger in them. They're part of something greater than what they realize. I'm speaking to a bigger purpose for their life. 
And so we need to be those ringmasters in our home and speak those things, call those things out on our kids. We gotta get them focused on their purpose. It's a funny story, I've shared this before. How many of you remember years ago the movie that came out, Beverly Hills Chihuahua, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't raise my hand either, it's embarrassing. But anyway, so. I think my mother-in-law took my kids to see that one uh, when they were little. I can't remember how many years ago. But they came home and I asked, well, how was the movie? And Callie was laughing about her favorite part. And I said, well, what was your favorite part? And she said, when the little chihuahua, I think it was George Lopez's voice, when the little chihuahua uh, said, we're Mexicans, not Mexicans. And, uh, and I said, well, that is pretty funny. And she said, but dad, here's what I came up with. We're Duncans, not Duncans. And uh, I said, right on, girl. There you go. Out of the mouth of babes, right? So speak to their purpose in life. Speak to their purpose in life. You're the ringmaster, you have great power, you have words, your words have power to cast a vision and build up. Help them discover that. I'm convinced we need to spend more time uh, speaking to the calling in our life and our kids. Um, you know, we spend most of our time telling our kids the do's and don'ts at a not enough time speaking to their purpose in life. I think if we get our kids more focused on the purpose in their life and when you find your purpose, you find fulfillment, right? When, you get, when we get our kids more focused on the, their purpose in life, they'll be less having the correct behavior, less distractions. And I really feel that. God, uh, two, two years ago, I took Callie to the coast. I've done this with each girl when she was turning 14, and we had kind of the dad-daughter, true love waits kind of thing. And I really felt God speak to me and told me to talk to her about the calling on her life, what God has for her. And my other, my, my other daughter, too, when she turned 14, we went down there. And it was this thing, this revelation for me to really emphasize what God's created him to do and to speak to that. Now, we have consequences to bad, to bad behavior. We do. We have consequences for that. But I find if they are more focused on their purpose, they're less distracted by the temptations of the world. And really, that's the truth for us. And so, I want to encourage you guys, speak to the purpose in life. Help them discover that. That's your responsibility. And uh, you've got to get your kids focused on their purpose and everything else is a distraction. Why do we live like the things of God are distractions in our life and everything else is our purpose? The things of God is our purpose in life and everything else is a distraction. And so we have to get that to our kids. Do things to protect that, not hinder it. Um, The growth track is one of those ways. You saw a growth track announcement today. As I said, parents, you gotta model that. You need to find out and discover it for yourself. We have a class 301, it's gonna happen in three weeks, uh, three, the third Sunday in October. It will help you discover your purpose in life. It's for everybody, you need to go to that class if you're trying to discover that. And then the class 401 the next week helps you find ways that you can engage your gift and your calling. But we gotta model that as well, put a priority in that with our kids. We need to find it for ourselves. If we can get people, teens focused, kids focused on what makes them unique in doing it, it will change their life. Get them serving somewhere. Get them on board with what God has for them. So important for us to do. Help them find their purpose. The best gift I could ever give you or give my kids is to help them find their purpose in life. Okay, so let me say this too. Pray for divine favor on their life. Pray for divine favor. Pray for divine favor, God's divine favor. Psalms 512, here's a good prayer for you. Surely the Lord will bless the righteous. You surround Callie and Camry with their favor as with a shield. You are with them wherever they go. No harm shall befall them. No plague shall come nigh their dwelling. They're blessed and they're coming. They're blessed and they're going. They have favor with both God and man. You will open doors no man can shut and you will shut doors no man can open. They are blessed of the Lord. Mighty are they, daughters of the king. The favor of God rests upon them like a shield and no man will be able to deny him God's purpose in life. Come on, that's you over your kids. So take that prayer, write it out. Speak it out every day. Speak it out over them, over their life. Pray for divine favor over their life. Choose relationships carefully. 
Because if there's one thing that will keep them from their purpose, it is the wrong friends. It's what keeps us and has kept us. And let me say this, and if you're in here and teenagers, you'll have to forgive me and have an extra bag of peanuts. <laughs> um, parents, you choose their friends. They have no business choosing their friends. They are too young, they're too, they're not, they are, don't understand the ways of the world, they don't understand the ways of God, and they're too inexperienced, and we're giving them to pick the most important thing in their life, are you kidding me? We need to be more intentional. Choose right relationships for them, that's your job. They make mistakes because they're kids, because they're still learning and still growing, that's why they're with you. And they make relationship mistakes, so choose relationships carefully. My dad always said this, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. It's true, choose relationships carefully, why? Because a companion of fools suffers harm, the Bible says. So help them grow in wisdom and stature. Let me give you number three, Jesus grew in. Favor with man, favor with man. And let me give you a verse where it relates to people and others. And if you live by this verse, just this one verse, you will do well. This verse tells us how to treat people, and if you know how to treat people, you will go far in life. If my kids know how to treat people, they will go far in life. Treat people right. Philippians 2.3, this is probably the only verse you need on this if you focus on it. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above. Say others above. Others above. Live as others above yourselves. Others first. Others first. Teach our kids we're here to serve. We're here to serve others, others better, others before, others first, others above. We have to get people into the habit of preferring others and watch how far you go, watch how far your kids go. Hey, when you take care of other people, God takes care of you. You're not a doormat to the society, you're a servant to it and God will elevate you, God will promote you, God will care for you, God will take care of you. Three principles to back this one up. These are obvious, don't need a lot of time to explain these. Number one to support this, honesty. Kids are gonna do things wrong, they're kids. They're still learning. That's why they live with you right now. They make mistakes. Mistakes in a sense are expected. Bad choices will happen. But listen, we have no way to do anything in their life if there's dishonesty. And that's a lesson for us as adults too. Relationships have to be built on trust. You know, in my home when, um, oh, rules broken or whatever that is, the most severe consequences of my home for breaking rules are for being dishonest, for not telling the truth. And because we can't allow that to get into them, they, they have to be honest and truthful, and then we can work relationally, we can overcome anything. But we can't allow that to happen, that's our most severe punishment in our home is for dishonesty. And in fact, if one is being dishonest and the other knows and doesn't tell us, they get punished too. Because we just don't tolerate dishonesty because we can't. We, we, have, we, we have to have our kids growing up being truthful and being honest. Honest with God, honest with us. Relationships are built on that. King David, shortly after he committed adultery, let's take a look at Psalms 51.6. Right after he committed adultery, he's crying out to God, you want me to be completely truthful, so teach me wisdom. God doesn't expect perfection out of you and I. He doesn't. We're his kids. He knows we'll make mistakes. We're prone to make mistakes. God wants honesty, wants the truth, and he can handle it. Amen? Verse, uh, there's a verse in the scriptures that talks about a broken and contrite spirit. He does not despise. He wants the truth. Let me give you another one. Honor. Honor. So we're going to honor people. We're gonna respect people, that's the other one, honor and respect, they'll go hand in hand. They don't need a lot of explanation, but they're sure missing our society today. They're gonna respect their elders. 
They may not agree, but they're gonna respect. They're gonna honor those. They're gonna serve their elders. Listen, they're gonna honor the flag. I, I gotta be honest with you, it's a tough one when I'm in a ball game or something and I don't see, especially young people standing up, putting their hand over their heart, not singing, you know? And when, they, when I see adults that have their hats on and stuff, I just wanna go snatch it off their head and then run like crazy. <laughs> Help me, Lord. We're gonna honor, right? We need to learn to honor and respect. We need to honor the men and women that serve this country, that lay their life on the line. Amen. Now honor them. We're going to respect them. You know what? And we're going to honor our first responders. I don't care what the rest of the world is doing towards our law enforcement. They are great value. Great respect for them. Amen. It's ridiculous. You know what's happened? We forgot. We don't know how to honor and respect. And they're not getting good models, apparently. We're going to respect property. We're going to respect teachers. We're going to respect authority. We're going to treat people with honor and respect. The last one, biblical principles for parenting. Jesus grew in wisdom. Jesus grew in stature. Jesus grew in favor with man. And this one's probably the most important. Jesus grew in favor with God or Jesus grew spiritually. Jesus grew spiritually. The point of this one here, Jesus grew spiritually, is probably the most important point actually. And let me tell you why, and it's because, whether you realize this or not, you are a spirit. You're a spirit first. You have a soul and you live in a body, but you are a spirit. And if you're growing your spirit, man, the other things will fall in line. And so we need to grow spiritually. That's the most important one. Now listen, a lot of families put that completely on the church, and I'm good with having my responsibility three hours at best a week Give or take a few, maybe not even every week. I'm, I'm glad with that. We got a great team. It's what we do. But listen, understand this, that no, point number one, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your home. Jesus needs to be the Lord of your home. Um, how you, however you would act and talk here, act and talk there. It's no wonder our kids get confused when we're acting a certain way here, and then we go home and act a certain way. It's like my parents are schizophrenic, but they don't know. They're this way, this way, and I'm confused. Listen, make Jesus the Lord of your home. And listen, I'm not even talking about we're a Christian home. I hear that all the time, and that has been so compromised and so watered down. It doesn't have the meaning it ever had before. Listen, we don't necessarily strive to be Christian homes. We strive to be Christ-centered homes, and there's a difference. There's a lot of people that are Christians that do not have a Christ-centered home. Our homes need to be that. It's work. We have good days and bad days. We have to work at it too. But there's good days and bad days. But listen, we need to make Jesus the center of our home. Bring Jesus home. Men, be the spiritual leader in your home. Bring Jesus into your home. Put him first. Acknowledge him when you wake up. Over your meals. When you're, when you, acknowledge him and what you're watching, what you're listening to. Listen, in our home too, we, we encourage our kids, well, we make sure our kids are paying their building pledge and we make sure our kids are paying their tithe. Because we want them to do that. Because we want them to honor God in their finances so God will bless them when they're older. Put them first in your finances. Put them first and go into church. Church is a priority. Well, that, yeah, but you're a pastor. Hey, listen, even if I wasn't a pastor, you'll have to take my word for it. Church would be a priority. Because we want to be absent, church absent parents but want go to church kids and it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And, I, and I'm sorry you can forgive me. I love sports and I'm not telling you what to do and stuff. But sometimes we need to make tough decisions to have our priority and put a God, God first in our life. I'm just saying that sometimes don't let football be your priority. 
Don't let the lake or the, or, or don't let the lake or the river be your priority. Don't let soccer be your priority. You might have to do some other things to sacrifice. But we're sacrificing a generation sometimes. So at some point out of all these things in life, we need to say that he is the most important. Joshua 24, 15, let's take a look real quick. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you'll serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my house, I don't care what the neighbors are doing. I don't care what the coworkers are doing. I don't care what the families on the soccer team are doing. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, we're not any better or any worse than they are. We gotta walk out the same Bible, but we're gonna do our best to make that a priority. Let me give you another one. Show them your love for God. Show them your love for God. Don't just tell them how to love God, show them your love for God. Display how you want them to live. Model how you want them to live. It is not enough to say, do as I say, not as I do. My heart, my prayer for my wife and I is for our kids to love God. We want them to love God above all else. They'll always have God. We want them to love God above all else. We want them to love us, Jessamy and I. And you know what? We want our kids to love the church. I want my kids to see this as a blessing, not as a burden. I want my kids to love what we do and how we get to serve. A lot of PKs or a lot of preacher's kids or pastor kids don't, but we want our kids to. We want them to love that. And we're working hard for them to model our love for God, model for them passionate Christianity. Proverbs 14, 26, the Living Bible says this. Reverence for God gives a man deep strength, a strength beyond his natural ability. His children then have a place of refuge and security. Loving Jesus passionately, showing your love for God openly, what does that do? It creates a refuge of strength and security for your kids. That's what they want. In this crazy, uncertain world, they want a life of, a home life of stability of security and strength, and it comes from passionately loving God openly. Your kids will learn to love God to the degree that you love God. First Corinthians 11.1 1 says this, imitate me, the Apostle Paul, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. What a great goal. This needs to be your verse. Hey kids, you wanna know how to be a good Christian? Just watch me, I'll show you. And you know what? Kids want to know how to be a good Christian today, and they haven't had a lot of good examples. Favor with God, a home that, having a home that is spiritual. Let me give you this last one under that. Favor with God. Be like Jesus in every situation. Be like Jesus in every situation. And I just want to say this. Life is not perfect in the Duncan household. Believe me, far from it. We have our moments, difficult moments, hard moments, good moments, wonderful moments. But by the grace of God, we've been able to walk through it. And when things happen in life, in marriage, and parenting, it's our opportunity to show what God is really like. It's our opportunity to show what God is really like. And there'll be days when you think you can't go on, there'll be days that you want to quit, there'll be days you think it can't get any worse. And those are the days that we need to be even more like Jesus. Our kids need us to love them. And when they're at their worst, they need us the most. And that's when we need to be most like Jesus. We need to treat our kids like Jesus treats us. Amen? And we need to treat our spouse like Jesus treats us. Love and forgiveness, grace and mercy every day. His mercies are new every morning. You can't do this on your own. That's why you need that divine empowerment. That's why you need that connection with the Lord. I wanna encourage you this morning that 
take the heart. And if you came from a situation different than this or you're currently in a situation different, God is a big God and God is a faithful God. He's the God of the impossible. There's no condemnation here, but perhaps for all of us, myself included, a conviction to do some things differently, to get our life in line with the word. And it won't be easy, but thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit to help us each and every day. Thank God for other believers to come alongside of us and and help support us. Life groups, growing in the things of God. The more scripture we know, the more scripture we can apply, or at least do what you already know scripture-wise and see the hand of God work in your life. It's not too late. We haven't lost this generation. We haven't lost our kids because God can turn things around in a moment. Start today. He is faithful. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.